The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our last podcast of the year of 2022. And recently, over the last you know, a couple days, maybe a week or so, I've been thinking I should probably have an ending to our, our year. And so I thought of doing kind of a year in review. I'm sure everybody is kind of used to that, uh, usually news networks and, you know, different uh, plans of, of people will kind of just look at the past year. And our focus on this past year will be on just what have been what has been released uh, since January of 2022 to this point and kind of share with you uh, some of those teachings, especially for those that have not uh, been listening, uh, maybe just heard about us for the first time. This might be a kind of a good uh, a starting point to just kind of see what you've missed thus far. But obviously, uh, you really haven't missed it because you can just go back and, and listen to those um, podcasts that were released this past year. So let's uh, kind of just uh, review that and then we'll have a kind of like a top 10 downloaded podcast for the year. Uh, but before I do that, I'd like to let you all know that my lovely wife is here with us and uh, she will be participating and engaging in some things that we'll be sharing today. Do you have anything to share for a sec? Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and uh, look at... Um, what were, uh, the podcasts that were released this year? And maybe I'll just touch upon a few of them and, and, and kind of give you a, a gist of, of what you might have, uh, missed this year. If you haven't been listening, and then if you have been listening, maybe you'll kind of recognize some of them, but we kind of started the year with, uh, a podcast titled the power to choose. What will you do when you hear his voice? And uh, I remember giving that teaching and I remember the Lord, uh, I think the Lord was preparing me. Uh, he was ministering through me, but it was also ministering to me because I got in a point in my life where I had to make a hard decision uh, that I knew probably was not going to be accepted by uh, very dear loved ones around me. And he showed me uh, through the scriptures that there are times in your life where you are going to be tested. And it was that prophet that was being tested. Would he do exactly what the Lord had told him? Or would he listen to another prophet tell him that the Lord told him such and such? And eventually that prophet ended up dying at the hands of a lion because he disobeyed the Lord. Even though for the most part, he did everything the Lord wanted him to do. But then on his way home, he was supposed to not go back the way he came. He was not supposed to stop anywhere. And he ended up stopping at another prophet's house who said he was also a prophet of the Lord. And it wasn't to that degree, uh, my situation, but it was a situation where I felt like I was being tested and I had to either obey the voice of man or obey the voice of the Lord. So that's where that teaching came from. And then we started our first series of the year. 
That series was entitled, Now That the Holidays Are Over. And that was kind of special because uh, many years ago, I, I went to the library with my three children and we began to just go to the public library and just study what were the uh, the origins of the holidays. And the first part uh, was the one I believe, if I remember correctly, was the one most listened to. And that was with my wife and that was with my daughter. And we got to kind of share where um, we came from in regards to holidays. And then part two was about Halloween specifically. Part three was about Christmas. Part four was about Easter. And then part five was just my conclusion on the whole matter. And if you go through all the five-part series, I think it's really important because you'll see a pattern uh, uh, of relationship, a pattern of influence, a pattern of power that is being wielded through the use of traditions of men and and, and religious uh, sector to kind of keep control of the people. And you'll see who was actually uh, behind that. And so I thought that was a very important one, especially for those that just need it uh, to have something to refer back to, because maybe they haven't studied themselves, although I highly recommend that everybody do that. Then we had a little playbill on, on episode 55, and then we came to Fear Not. And that was another big teaching for me. It was actually the longest teaching that we've released on Our Father's Heart. It was over an hour and a half. And the reason why is because I gave an introduction to it. I, I wanted to kind of share and give an understanding of you know, how this teaching came about and what were we going through? And it actually, it was in the midst of COVID, uh, the year it was, I think it was 2020. And we were going through COVID and the decisions that were being made and how they were affecting us as individuals, how they were affecting our, our church fellowship at the time and uh, all of those things transpiring and how do we stand, you know, and it, it just to me, it was a one for me, a very important teaching because um, I think the Lord was using that to help me to remember promises that he told me when I was very young in my youth with him to fear not because he was with me and he would not forsake me. And uh, then we went into uh, the foreshadowing of the spirit, the water and the blood, uh, how that kind of uh, developed progressively through the scriptures. Uh, had another teaching about digging deep and laying a, a foundation because it can't be thin. It's got to be thick. It's got to be as thick as you possibly can make it because when the Lord starts building his house and he's the one building his house, Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. He is that foundation and it's built upon the apostles and the prophets. And the more that you understand, the more that you know, the more that you can appreciate uh, the Lord and what he said through his apostles and the prophets, the more stable your life is going to be. And the less that you know, the thinner your foundation is going to be. And then when things start getting builded upon, you just don't seem to have the, uh, the, the fortitude to, to hold up under that. And then we went to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. That was episode 59. And we went to uh, appearances can be deceiving, marring the image, and then we had our second series of the year, Divine Familial Responsibility, part one and part two. And that was a special uh, series that we had because we were ministering to a couple that was uh, ready to get married. And we were going through, uh, you know, premarital counseling. And, and this was kind of our concluding teaching with them. 
And at first part focuses on the man's responsibility and expectations biblically. And then the second part was on the woman's responsibility and what were the biblical expectations for her. So then we got into another uh, regular teaching, despicable trust, kind of interesting contrast there. And you'd have to listen to it and to see as to why. And then uh, our next one was walking with God. And then we did a third series of the year called the life of Jesus Christ, part one and part two. And so that, that was special for me. That was, uh, you know, previous teachings that, that, that I had received or were given. And, and I wanted to kind of share with others as well. And so then we went to whom shall I fear? Medit the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart. Um, and then don't let what you see make you forget what God said. That's one of those teachings that I came up with as I was riding back home from church and I saw that sign. And for whatever reason, the Lord just flooded my thoughts um, uh, with things that he wanted to share with me regarding that particular saying. And then we went into our third series of the year, Life in the Supernatural. That was a special uh, series for us. Uh, we traveled down to Texas to uh, spend a, a week, I think. Was it a week? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, about a week with our, our brother and sister, Rayford and Marie Strange. And uh, they were happy to that, that we came. We were happy to come. But uh, I, I also wanted to take the opportunity to kind of interview them because I know that they have a life full of testimonies of miracles and, and supernatural things that have happened in their lives from the time that they were born, from before they were born with their parents, and just stories of, of, of a long gone age that we really don't, unless we watch the movies, we really don't have any affiliation with. I mean, we're talking about before the 50s. You know, there were stories from before the 50s in our nation. And so that was a special series for us, Life in the Supernatural. That was a another four-part series. Then we got back into our traditional teachings of the wise and faithful servant, zombies, walking dead, uh, a hard heart, uh, the works of the law versus walking in the spirit, the mountain made of stone. I love that one. And then we got into our Oh gosh, what did I say? Is that our third or fourth series? It's a fourth one, right? Mm -hmm. Fourth series was a huge series, was the biggest series that we've ever done on Our Father's Heart. And that was the topics for young adults. And that was spurned on by questions asked from uh, young adults uh, who kind of graduated in high school or, or into college and the things that they're, you know, battling with. Uh, and the, and the ways that the enemy is trying to get them to conform and to stumble and, and to do all of these things. So that was an eight-part series. And each part was centered or focused on a certain uh, topic. And the first one was on piercings and tattoos. Second one had to do with uh, the power and the influence of music. The third had to do with relationships. But that was like a two-part series within a series because we had relationships one and relationships two. And then uh, five, the, the fifth part was on divorce. And I remember that one specifically because as I was about to release it, I felt like it was too short. And the Lord just started ministering to me about my past and things that I went through. And, and I started realizing how even though I admire my father's efforts, my dad's efforts, I should say, uh, in being a part of my life, even though... Uh, my mom and I, my my mom and and my dad divorced when I was four. I realized the impact of not having in my life on a daily basis, and how that 
left me unprotected, left me exposed to the elements because I believe that the things that I went through that I was exposed to very early on would not have happened if he were there on a regular daily basis in my life. And the Lord just showed me that. Um, yet my God was there. My heavenly father was there and he was faithful to me. And, and even though I was exposed to things very early on, um, it could have been far, far worse. It just, it, he, he kept me. Uh, and maintained me. And then we went into the part six on drinking and smoking. And part seven was on insecurities, manifesting peer pressure, um, not manifesting peer pressure, but manifesting as its own little topic and then peer pressure. And then we uh, ended our eight part series with temptation to sin, hope and forgiveness. And so that led us right into December where we released Naomi El Roy, the Lord sees and submit yourselves. Those were the last two teachings before the one that you're listening to right now. So that's kind of our year in review. Um, I'd like to kind of share a few uh, stats with you. And the first stat has to do with what devices are you guys using to listen to our Father's Heart podcast? So uh, I'm, I, I mean, I can give you all of them, but I'm just going to give you the top three. All right. The top three. Uh, n- at number three, uh, we have Spotify. Spotify is the device being used uh, not most often and by far not the most often, but it is being used. And then the second device that's being used is. Can you guess? Apple. No, oh. Android oh, okay. is the second device being used. It was that was used about to to do 1202 plays this past year. And number 1, that's the one you should have said. Apple. Apple. Yeah, cuz everybody has an Apple and they make all the Android people feel like peons and stuff. And it's just uh, you know, we got to deal with all of the oh, you got an Android blah 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 blah. You know, like so uh, we, we've chided some people who've tried to chide us about not having it. And if they feel so, uh, um, you know, concerned about our welfare, about having an Android, well, why don't they just take up a collection for us and then just buy us a, uh, an iPhone, you know, but they didn't bother to do that. But anyways, the Apple had 1,783 plays this past year. So it by far uh, was the highest used device. What and then it? if, huh? What was the Android number? That was 1,202. Oh. Now, there was another one that they listed it as other, and I don't know what that other is, so it's just a generic other. That one had 1,505 plays, so I okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that means. I was just giving the top ones that everybody would recognize. Now, in regards to locations this past year, whew, at least, if I'm looking at my numbers right, 850 different locations around the world. Wow. That's a lot. That's a a lot. I mean, well, it says 828 if I got my numbers right. I mean, we're talking about India. We're talking about Argentina. Buenos Aires, Argentina. We're talking about the Russian Federation, (laughs) Vietnam, Ukraine, Poland, Philippines, Italy, Norway, Nepal, Saudi Arabia, France, Spain, uh, obviously the United States, Sweden, Ireland, uh, Canada, the United Kingdom, obviously the United States, New Zealand, Kazakhstan. Nigeria, is that in there? Nigeria is in here. Yes. Uruguay, Oman, 
I had never heard of them. They're in yes, honey, Muscat, Oman. Middle East. Middle East. Oh, yes. look at that. Well, it says Asia, but that's fine. Brazil. We definitely had Brazil. Uh, we had Belgium. Azerbaijan. Interesting name. I like that name. Finland. Netherlands. More India. More Russia. Guadeloupe. Ooh, mm. Guadeloupe. Luxembourg. Uh, Slovakia. Let's see. What else? Puerto Rico. Hmm. Not too much in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico, South Africa. Uh, let's see here. More Brazil, more United States. Obviously, United States. That's where we're from. So that's where you expect the most of it to be. But let's give the quick, if we can, top 10 locations that are accessing uh, our father's heart. Because there's a lot. Uh, we have, I, I, I guess... Um, how do, how do we say this? Uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. Honorable mentions. Most of it is still North America. And then uh, honorable mentions is Europe, France, Clichy. Yeah. Clichy, France, I guess is the city. And, uh, but the top 10 are Florida is at number 10. Texas, Dallas is at number nine. Montreal, Quebec, Canada is at number eight. Columbus, Ohio is at seven. Frankfurt, Hesse, Germany is at number six. Number five is in Wellington, Florida. Number four is in Ho, Ohio. We got a blank place here. It's in the United States, but it's just blank as to the city. So we'll just leave that. Then we've got Miami, Florida at three. Charlotte, North Carolina at two. Can you guess number one, since I haven't told you what the top 10 is? Georgia. No, no. I, I took out Georgia because uh, I knew Georgia was, okay. you know, I knew we would get the most. But the top 10 outside of Georgia, what do you think it was? Don't know. Don't know? What was my birthplace? Oh, New York. New York. Wow. New York was that. the top. Outside of Georgia was the top in North America. So that's interesting. It's it's doesn't mean much here or there but you know kind of we thought that was a funny interesting tidbit to share and then now, now that i've gone over all of the the podcasts that have been released this year uh let me give you the honorable mentions of the most downloaded or listened to podcasts i mean we can't say listen but we can at least say it was accessed or downloaded um but honorable mentions we'll start with those um Considering that that was one of the biggest series of the years, Life in the Supernatural was almost in the top 10 and different ones. Part one, part three uh, were within the honorable mentions. And then we had our next series of the years, Topics for Young Adults, the one on music and the one on relationships, part one. Those were in the honorable mentions. Uh, one of my favorites, Fear Not, was in the Honorable Mentions. The Wise and Faithful Servant was in the Honorable Mentions. The Life of Jesus Christ, that series, part two, was in the Honorable Mentions. And then we also had Dig Deep. They didn't crack the top 10. So we thought we'd mention them so they wouldn't feel left out. But at number 10, we had, and I want your reaction to this. <laughs> All right. So we had a series on Divine Familiar Responsibility. And what cracked the top 10, is it part one, the men, or part two, the women? Which do you think cracked the top 10? Part two. Wow, not bad. <laughs> the one that focused on the women. 
And if I remember correctly, it outweighed the men part one by a pretty nice margin. I don't know what to make of that. What do you make of that? A lot of women are listening. <laughs> really? I wish this this told us like, you know, gender, no, you know. It, it doesn't necessarily it doesn't, mean that. Yeah, I know it doesn't, but it, it's just interesting to speculate on, well, man, why did they listen to the women one more? That was actually the, maybe because it was shorter. It was only shorter by like five, ten minutes. No, it wasn't too much shorter. It was pretty, much, it was pretty even. I didn't even think it was ten minutes. I think it was within five minutes. At number nine. Walking with God. Amen. Number nine, walking with God. At number eight, we had one of the series that did crack the top 10, Life in the Supernatural, part four. Mm. I don't remember what happened in that one, but that's the one that cracked the top 10. And then we had at number seven, The Works of the Law versus Walking in the Spirit. I like that one because that that one I I really focused on, on... Many of my beloved brethren uh, that that want to hold to you know different aspects of the law, uh, and I thought that it was important to see it through Paul's perspective. Because if there was anyone mm-hmm. that was the Jew above all Jews, the Hebrew above all Hebrews, it was Paul. And if Paul was not held or tied in any way, shape, or form to the law, then why are we doing that to us? That just you know, let's let let let's walk in the in in God's ways and God's word and God's will according to apostolic doctrine. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody had it right, they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we go to at number six. We had one series, one part broke into the top ten of this particular series. Now that the holidays are over, oh, okay. only one part. Part three. No, it was not part three. Not at all. You want to take another go? Part one. Oh, okay. The one with just us three sharing our testimony. Okay. So how did now that you know that, what's your reaction to the fact that Halloween, Christmas, Easter, and my conclusion was way underneath that one? Maybe. Speculation. No, I don't like to speculate. No, no, that's what I'm asking. This, What's your reaction to that? We're not judging anybody. We're just, hmm, I wonder why. They heard it and they were satisfied with the first one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way to put it. Uh, But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, We're just, we're just here to conduits to give uh, the, our father's heart, just express our father's heart and people will respond or react to it. However they do. That's not really our um, responsibility. That's on them. So we come to number five, hard heart. Number four, despicable trust. Number three, I was glad to see this one because that, that's it's what, it's still one of my favorite teachings. The mountain made of stone. Mm-hmm. I love that teaching. I really do. Number two, don't let what you see mm-hmm. Make you forget what God said. Mm -hmm. That was at number two. And number one, and I have mentioned it. Have any idea? Deny yourself, Mm -hmm. take up your cross, and follow him. Amen. Wow. That's a great one. That, that, well, the messages. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
Just the title is great. <laughs> She's biased, guys, but that's okay. She's my wife. Um, that one was... Now, the interesting thing, that one was released in March 16th. And in that small brief period, it catapulted to number one. Number two was actually released three months later. And that one... Catap- uh, did I say two, number two? No. that The first one... Um, take up your cross and follow him. That was number one. That was released in March. That catapulted to number one. Number two, don't let what you see make you forget what God said. That catapulted to number two, and that was in less time. Mm. That was released in June 29th. So mm. within five months, it got to number two. So mm. if it had the same amount of time as the other one, it might have been higher. But that, my uh, beloved friends, is our top 10 podcast for the year 2022. So another thing that I wanted to um, kind of share with you is we do get some responses from time to time. They're not often. Uh, we wish we heard more, but we don't rely upon the responses to continue this uh, ministry that we have going. But we are so grateful and appreciative when we do hear about it. So I just want to share with you three uh, that that uh, we received this past year. Uh, just to share with you guys. Um, so if you guys want to get in on it and you want to hear about your own words, uh, start responding and, and sharing with us and letting us know. But one of the responses we got this year, it said, just wanted to let you know that I have enjoyed listening to your series for the young adults. May the Lord bless you as you continue in the work of the kingdom. I pr- appreciated that. I, I didn't. I wasn't sure how that would go. I wanted it to go well. I wanted to to make an impact on 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 young people, uh, especially those that are struggling with these decisions and and trying to be a Christian and yet at the same time be accepted by the world. And I hope that you come to realize after receiving that that you can't. You, you got to make a decision, uh, or else whatever you try to do is just going to look awful for you. Um, but a second comment or response that I received uh, this year, and I appreciated this one too, because, it, well, let me just read it. I just re-listened to the Now That the Holidays Are Over broadcast to sharpen my memory for the annual Christmas debates that come. Laugh out loud. Very well done. Uh, I appreciate that because that's what I wanted. I wanted those to be a resource. I know many of us, I mean... We're going to set aside time to do what we want to do, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going to. If we want to do something, we're going to set aside time to do it. Um, but I know a lot of people don't see the importance of, you know, researching and, and looking into some of these things. So if my family and I did it uh, and sacrificed of ourselves to do it and and it was freely given to us through, through going to the public library and, and the Lord showing us what to you know read and what to see and where to go, and we compiled it together so many years ago, why not share it with others and let it become a resource for them? And then they can go ahead and, and kind of confirm the things that we studied. I don't mind people going and checking out for themselves, you know, the validity of what we shared. Uh, and I tried to be as, as non- biased as possible. I mean, you knew where I stood from the beginning, but it was because we had researched and we had studied. And then we came to this decision and came to this conclusion. And it firmly convinced me in my own mind and my own heart of why I would or would not participate in some things. And I had the 
uh, information for it. And I, and just to be able to share with others and allow them to be blessed by it is, is, is very important to me because I don't, you know, the Lord says, you know, let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide it under a bed. Let it shine. And, and the light is not only the light of Jesus Christ, but it's the light of truth. It's the light of what is pleasing to the Lord. Let people know about it. And sometimes your light is going to dispel the darkness. Sometimes your light is going to um, um, cause the darkness to react to you in a way that is not very pleasing to you. But nevertheless, because we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, uh, that should be expected. And so I, I appreciated that comment. And then the last one came from one that did not break the top 10. However, it was just released, I think, two weeks ago. And it's already, I think, beyond 50 downloads. Um, so it was about to break into the top 10. I mean, it still had a couple ways to go, but within two weeks, it was already up there. And this person talked about that podcast. So let me just read it. This morning, I listened to the Elroy episode of Our Father's Heart. Now, this person is talking about the, the title is Naomi. Elroy, the Lord sees. That was the whole title, but that's what she's talking about. And was ever so delighted, so grateful to your beautiful family, leadership and devotion to the Lord. I've never heard the book of Ruth taught primarily from the perspective of Naomi and was just in awe of the depths and beauty of how God saw her through and through. The Lord flooded my mind with all the ways he has seen me and gratitude filled my heart to the brim. We had such a beautiful moment in the car, like old times, and I just had to say thank you. Mm. We love you guys. Mm. So, um, if you're not listening to the podcast, I think those comments might kind of perk your curiosity uh, to kind of start listening to them. Um, I, I think you will be tremendously blessed, and I would almost guarantee it, but that's really based upon the hunger of your heart for the Lord. The more hungry you are for the Lord, the more hungry you are for his truth, then I guarantee you, you will be blessed by the podcast. So I'll leave you with that. And we'll kind of shift gears here and uh, kind of open up the floor. Uh, is there anything that happened in this year that you'd like to share or talk about or that impacted you? Um, there's a lot of um, events Um that have happened in our government, in my family, in the church, the changes the Lord has made that have made me reflect a lot. And I, I was sharing with um, uh, Jay yesterday as we were walking that one of the biggest, the biggest points that have, have come up, it's a lot of layers to it, but, and, and it's very simple. When I first started my walk with the Lord, somebody told me that I needed to let go of things and I needed to be ready to be shaken that the Lord was going to shake me and I you you won't uh that was not a pleasant word I didn't like it and I wasn't very happy with the person that gave it to me but I knew that she heard the Lord and I knew that God had put me in her life and um you this, got unhappy with the messenger uh no I wasn't happy with the messenger wow. at the moment wow. I mean sometimes the message that comes is I, prophetic words sometimes can be uh shaking you um or make you what it does to me sometimes is throw me in a tailspin and this is where the Lord has been working on me personally that 
when he gives the word, it's not to condemn or accuse. It's actually to prepare. And as I let go of my control or my thoughts on how things should play out, um, I learned how to ride the waves so much better. And so I would say that that's been the progression in my life, riding, riding the wave in a more peaceful manner. And, you know, a lot of times we have fervent prayers about situations um, and we don't see the result. Uh, we, or it seems like everything we're praying is going the opposite way is, and seems like is a very uh, important word in that because with God, um, once he tells you something, he is going to do it in his time, in his way. And that's not a cliche. That's actually something that I've had to live out in my life. And we've had teachings in our church about the testing. I've been challenged a lot through, uh, it, our, actually my challenge started with just a, um, a fellowship fast, everyone fasting. Uh, that's how we started the year. Yeah. And uh, in our fellowship, we started with 21 days of fasting and we're going to do it again starting uh, January 1st of this upcoming 2023. And, uh, so yeah, go ahead. And and we did it. We also did it again. I think it was in August when I started my school year. So it's funny Mm -hmm. because it's when we start the, the calendar year and when we start the school year, which to me is difficult. It's, could be difficult because it's a time that I'm in school. And so I think about fasting and, and Lord, how do I set my mind and my heart apart unto you um, in, in a way that, that, will, that I really am focusing and digging deep because that's what I believe the point of fasting. You deny your flesh to, to, um, of something or some things to get deeper in with the Lord. And so anyway, long story short, that was the challenge that, that began for me and, and a lot of things that were on my heart during that time. Some things that I don't even share always with Jay right away, because I think the Lord is teaching me that sometimes I need to marinate the things that he says to me, um, and, and let them play out. Just like me. I tend to be He's more like that than I am. I tend to be a pretty verbose person and I want to share everything in my life, every dream, every everything that comes to my mind. So this year I've learned how to be quieter and how to let him ha- let him have that time and space of when he shows me something because I don't want to nullify God speaking to me because I can't keep my mouth shut and I got to go and tell somebody and and I want to have go tell I want it on to, the mountain. I want, and this is something I'm growing into of not getting annoyed with my husband. But anyway, um, I'm having to um, Ouch. to learn how to marinate, to learn how to sit, to learn how to wait on the Lord, and and to not jump to conclusions when I see things because sometimes I see things and I my mind or the enemy fills it into starts going in in a direction. That brings, it takes away my peace. So I know that's not of the Lord. That, that's my, that's the way I can say, okay, wait, I've got to go back to the beginning of what God said. And I need to stand on that no matter what I'm seeing. So a long time ago, I told a friend of mine or various sisters in Christ that I did not want to stand on anything other than his truth. I did not want to comfort myself with cliches of the world or even well-meaning Christians that are not, that don't pass the litmus test in the word. And it, it's been a journey, but it's been a really good one. And and I was sharing with Jay, it's interesting how life moves because now the person who delivered that message to me is walking through a problem in her life, a big, big crisis actually. And um, God has used those words that she spoke to me 
to come back to her in an encouraging way um, to bring her through. And all that tells me is that, you know, we're running a race and we're helping each other. And sometimes somebody's going to need to pull you because you're tired and weary. And then you get that adrenaline rush and you can, you, you all of a sudden you've got the energy and you're going and then you look back and that person that helped you is kind of like, uh oh, they're, they're kind of falling behind. And then we have to help them. And that's our walk with God is that race that we're, we're always helping each other, moving each other to get to the finish line, to get to where God wants us to be together. Um, so th- those are the things that, that, that have been ruminating uh, in my mind. That reminds me of, uh, you know how I like the, the, the metaphorical stories of Pilgrim's Progress and mm-hmm. yes, Heinz being yes. in high places. I yes. can't remember, but one of them was stuck in the mud. It's like that miry mud of despair and depression. I forgot That's who probably it was. Pilgrim's Progress. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it reminded me of that moment that, you know, we sometimes get stuck in those those miry muds and it's the way that, that you know, the enemy tries to, to, to bring us down from keeping our eyes on Jesus. And, you know, when he, when Peter went into the water, that was like the miry mud uh, because he got his eyes off of Jesus. And through all of the things that have happened in 2024, that idea, I'm sorry. We're not in 2024 yet. He's broadcasting two years ahead. Oh, no. The reason why is because I've read June 24 in my notes and there's a reason why. And I I just saw 24, but I meant 22. Uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um. No, I lost my train of thought. What, what was I going to, what was I talking about? You were talking about through all the things that we've gone through oh, in 2022. Oh, in 2022 and actually the last 3 years. Got to keep my eyes on Jesus. Yes. Just got to keep my eyes on Jesus because every time you look at all of the things that are transpiring before us and we are eyewitnesses to things that are happening that are they're wicked, they're evil. Yes. If we keep looking at it, it's almost as like we can't do anything. There's nothing we can do. We keep losing. We keep losing. We keep losing. But that's not true. But that's not true. No, it's not. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus yes, because no matter what happens in this world, God is absolutely sovereign. God he, is absolutely sovereign. He is He's in control. And just because things are not happening according to our imaginations and thoughts and desires doesn't mean God is not in control. And he, if we look at the patterns in the Old Testament, which is what inspires me always, I, I'm... You know, the stories of faith, of the way that people were facing battle, the the enemy had, they way outnumbered the people of God in so many instances. And mm-hmm. God does that on purpose because in that moment, no one's going to get the glory but God. That's right. But what he wanted his people to do, what he wants his people to do even now is we need to praise him. We need to continue to praise him because he is sovereign. He is in control. That is the truth, no matter what we see. Which um, I was talking to Jay about this yesterday. It reminds me of Habakkuk. You know, Habakkuk, the prophet, was praying because there was all this stuff going on and nothing was looking like it was going to get any better. Yet the Lord had given him a word. And then he charged the Lord, like, wait a minute, you gave me this word and all this is going on. And the Lord, kind of like he did with Job, took him through some things. And then the conclusion um, I pulled it up is um, that he said the conclusion of Habakkuk is uh, Habakkuk 3.17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. 
the labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. That sounds pretty bad. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet, which is funny because that's my favorite book. (laughs) (laughs) And he will make me to walk upon high places to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. And I believe that that conclusion and well, we got to see his battle because sometimes we can walk in that. We can say that it sounds like a cliche, but it's when we actually have to live it out. When we get the challenges and we have to make a choice, are you going to succumb to the despair of what's going on or what it seems like is going on or the anger or all the, you know, all the emotions that I'm sure all of us have had in praying about things. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like everything opposite of what I prayed just happened. Or am I going to rejoice because I know that no matter what, God is sovereign. He has allowed it and he is going to bring to fruition that word which he has given to each of you and to me. The promises that he gives are for us to hold on to and to continue lifting up to him and trusting him. And, and you know, um, I'll, I'll stop talking. But the, the main thing <laughs> is Jesus said, will I find faith in the earth, in the earth. And that's, I want him to find faith in me. That's right. I don't remember you telling me that about Habakkuk yesterday, but (laughs) nevertheless, I'm glad you brought it up because, um, you may remember this, but several years ago, I, I can't even remember if I released it on a podcast, um, yet, but I, I told our fellowship, um, I, I think about Jeremiah the prophet. He was mm-hmm. not in re- he was not reigning like a king, but he was active, a part of the the ministry of the Lord, during the reigns of the kings, and he was told to speak to the kings before they fell. Before they fell, he was ministering to the kings and to the people to repent, repent, mm-hmm. repent. Mm-hmm. And he was not sinning. The people were sinning. Mm -hmm. The people would not repent. And unfortunately, the prophet had to go into captivity with with the the people. people. Yep. I remember that. And he had to experience all that they experienced. And and if uh, I share this, the, the prophet embodies the people many a time. And so the Lord had the prophet do things to as a sign that this is what you look like in my eyes, you know, all messed up and dirty and, and, and whatnot. But even the prophet who was not sinning had to go into captivity with the people, waiting for the people to begin to cry out again unto the Lord. Just like the, 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 the Hebrews cried out unto the Lord when they were in captivity in Egypt. Over years, it took them time, but over years, then they finally started crying out to the Lord and he heard them. And I I just see what's happening in our world. I see what's happening in our nation. And it's like, I think that's what's going to happen. I think there's some terrible things that are going to be taking place. And the people of God have got to keep their eyes on the Lord and be resilient and recognize that you may need to go through some of these things with the people. Mm -hmm. In order for the, to them to wake up. Right. Because we keep thinking, oh, maybe they've woken up now. 
and then something happens, you're like, do they not see what's going on right now? Why are they still doing this? And it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's very disheartening at times, which is why I said we've really, really got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Um, something very significant happened, uh, this past year. And initially I was, I was happy about it. And, and basically, let me just say what happened that was very significant in our nation, our nation, not the world, but our nation this year. On Friday, June 24th, they overturned Roe v. Wade. It was the stopping of federal legislation of abortion. And it really basically gave it back to the states to decide for each individual state for themselves whether they were going to have abortion in their in their state or not. And when that was overturned, I mean, I haven't lived that long. I'm nearly a half a century, but there are more people that were around uh, mm-hmm. when when this was enacted. And I believe it was in 1973. It was a year before I was born. In 1973, Roe v. Wade was decided and it caused the legalization of abortion. Um, and ever since then, I think it was 65 million babies have been aborted since 1973. And for that to be overturned, I mean, if you've been involved in any Christian circles, we've been praying. And it, it, it at times it seemed like they're never going to change. They're never going to change. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, I mean, this took a lot of time. Uh, it changed. And I was... I was happy about it. Something that the, that the saints have been praying for for many, 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 many years. We're talking about decades, at least four to five, six decades. It's 2024, happened in 73, almost five decades. I've been waiting for this to happen. And it finally did. And I wasn't sure how to initially accept it. I was happy about it. But then when it happened, I heard crickets. And I felt like I heard crickets from the church. And I didn't know how to take that. I was like, why is, why? I mean, it's not like I never heard anybody talk about it. The, 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 the wonderfulness of it. But from the church, I feel like it was crickets. No one was really like appreciated what just took place, which was, monumental but then at the same time then i wasn't sure well is it because i'm not really hearing anything about it it's because of something else and then and then i started trying to figure was it is god putting a disquiet in my spirit about it and then i realized a little pretty soon afterward the reason why i maybe i wasn't so elated and maybe others shared in it and maybe that's why they didn't talk about it and that's just me trying to give the benefit of the doubt but I think I started to understand why I wasn't as elated as I wanted to be about it. And if, if you look at the, if you look at the historical track of what happened in this nation, several states before and after the decision began to enact or try to enact legislation in their state to have abortions up to the moment of birth. Mm hmm. Well, even if a baby was born uh, alive, survived an abortion, they would still 
murder the baby. Which yeah. They want to say it differently, but that's basically I mean, what it's been. It was that life. kind of talk yeah. that made me realize it's not legislation that has to be changed. It's the hearts of the people. It's the hearts of the people and the hearts of the people are not changed. You have several different states wanting to enact legislation that says, yeah, you can abort up to the ninth month, up to the, you know, the moment of birth. And I'm like, oh my God, are, are these people insane? What is, what, what is, I, and then I'm realizing if the Lord doesn't pour out his spirit upon our nation, upon our world, Hearts are never going to be changed. And it doesn't matter what legislation says, what the Supreme Court says, because they've been wrong in the past before, only to overturn it later. And I think that they were terribly wrong on this decision. And then they kind of fixed it with the, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I believe that that was initially wrong. And so do many other, you know, even experts that are for abortion said, well, that was just a wrong decision. That was just a bad argument completely and totally. But the people, over all of this time are still vying for it. And, and not in every state of the United States, but in huge, big states, New York, California, they're still pushing after this. I, I do want to say though, I did see, I did, I, I didn't see complete crickets, but there was a lot of pushback for anybody that was happy about the decision. And, and I think, that some uh, <clears throat> groups and organizations that have been against abortion that or that have been trying to inform people of what it is have su- have suffered so much pushback uh, and persecution for that. And some have been willing to do that. I mean, I remember a movie that I asked my family to go see. It was a hard movie to watch for some in the in the family because of where their hearts were at the time. Um, about the woman in Planned Parenthood that 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 brought out what was going on, and when you see the image, when you see what what's going on, when the doctors are actually about to perform it, and all of the intricacies of the way uh, this organization works, um, then you understand the hardness of heart. And and yes, the 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 other part of it though is over the years, having had that stamp of approval or 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 situation in in the federal government has prevented states that didn't want that that were trying to pass heartbeat laws a few years back and they were kicked out because they you know they they didn't prevail so there's been a tug of war going on i think and just the fact that it goes back to states well yes you're going to have states that are trying to embrace but there's there's a principle that operates in our nation, I think worldwide, and and it's the um, the focus of the media is on the not necessarily the majority of people, but the loudest people. So the loudest people in not just that that area, but in in the transgender gender stuff stuff that's going on, they have become a loud voice, but they are not the majority. And what happens is. Uh, and it, it's happened historically in different places. And I hate to make this analogy, but it's the analogy that comes to my mind when people ask, how did the Germans get to the state where they could do what they did to the Jewish people? Well, mm-hmm. there was a minority voice that was loud, very loud, and it kept resounding. And as it keeps resounding, it gets in you. And if you don't stand against it with truth, if you're a Christian, 
If you do not take an active stance against that voice, that minority voice, mm-hmm. you start believing that it's the majority mm-hmm. and you're the only one that's not believing something. And so then that's the deception. That's, you know, it's as if the enemy deceives. He's, he's a, he's an artist of illusion. He's an illusionist. He's one of those, you know, like magicians that can mm-hmm. make something look like it is, but it's <clears throat> not. And I think that's what's been going on, but you're right. There, there is a state of heart. There, there has to be a, a, a tug. Um, for me personally, I came out of a liberal family. And if they're hearing this, I'll probably, that's not going to go well. It doesn't matter. I came out of a family that was very liberal. When I came into the faith, I still held on to a lot of my views. And one of them was on abortion. I thought, well, nobody should tell me what I can do with my body. That's mm-hmm. the typical argument. There were some more. And so, you know, I know how the Lord got my attention was, I personally had an abortion in my life, and I can personally testify that even though I had that stand, I did not have peace about it, and I couldn't find peace about it. In And when I started seeking the Lord, I asked, uh, I came out of the Catholic Church, I asked a priest, you know, well, I've already confessed this in confession, whatever, why is it still bothering me? And he did not give me an answer that, that, that satisfied me, but shortly thereafter, because this is how God works... I went to a prayer meeting with some ladies and it happened to be the um the anniversary of Roe v Wade and they were wailing. They were wailing. And I was so annoyed with them. I remember feeling and I know that's my flesh. I was annoyed. Why are these people wailing? What's their problem? I mean, come on. And in that service the Lord brought me deliverance from that. And that was the first time in my life that I felt a complete peace and my mind changed 180. I did 180. My life completely started changing on all my political views. So much so that they accused you of being in a cult. Well, yes. And so you're brainwashed. But I can tell you that it was not <clears throat> anybody sitting down and, and breaking it down for me. It was God prevailing in my heart. He had right. been seeding things. There were people that were praying. There was a sister in my, in my, in my job. Uh, well, she wasn't a sister at the time, but you know, a saint, a person that was praying and interceding for me without knowing me. And I know in my heart that that person, the Lord used her to pivotal change a lot of um, situations of my own thinking. And it, so the seed of the word plus, you know, mixed with the spirit of God brought about a change. And I think that's my point is that there isn't anybody that's unreachable mm-hmm. because I could have, anybody looking at me could have thought I was very unreachable. I was very intolerant of Christians and people that felt the need to preach to me about this and that. All the things that are, you know, um, life, the ministry life and, and now NOM, I, I don't remember all the acronyms, but all the people that are fighting in the front and they're looking, they look bad. They are made to look bad. They're made to look like they're intolerant. They're made to look like they're screaming, but they're not. The majority of the people are not. They'll focus on the ones that are doing stuff like that. But really there's so many people with a heart of just compassion and love and wanting to see others come out from under the influence of our society. And so that's where God works in the hearts and and through us and our testimonies sharing with others so that we're able to come to that place of, of, um, knowing God's heart and changing our mind and saying, you know what, I can't be a part of this anymore. So that's why when we did the the podcast on the topics for young adults, um, in my research and trying to gain the material that I wanted to share the big five, um, 
it hasn't left me. It hasn't reverberated. It hasn't left my mind. It continues to echo. And we talked about the big five being education, media, music, entertainment, and religion. This is the fivefold ministry of the world. If you're in Christian circles, I'm sure you've heard of the fivefold ministry of the church. Some say it's the sevenfold and some say it's even more than that. But for the purposes of this, just understand that the world has a fivefold ministry and this ministry is to do exactly what you said. It's to amplify the the, the smaller voices out there. Yes. And make it seem like they are actually the majority when in actuality they're not. And most people who don't know any better because they keep hearing the news, they keep hearing what's on TV, they keep hearing what's on the radio, they keep hearing what's, you know, spouted in their, in their education, they keep hearing what's spouted through the Hollywood, um, and the music industry. They don't, they, they just fall in line. That, that's just what happens. And so a lot of stuff has happened uh, this year. They thought there was going to be a red wave come about, and that wave, red wave, didn't happen. And I started realizing it kind of did in the grassroots. It's in the grassroots, but if you think about what what was touted, it was going to happen. I mean, it was by far, but but a trickle. Um, But I started realizing. And it, it was coinciding with the previous thought that I felt the Lord was giving me about the need for his spirit to be poured out and changing the hearts. Because if you think that you're going to vote yourself out of the mess that our nation is in, no, you got another thing coming. Yeah. Without the spirit of God changing the hearts of men, not just voters, not just, you know, uh, 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 politicians, But I'm talking about starting from families and spreading outward into the community, which is kind of a teaching that I want to be giving in January. It's about there's a need that it has to start in Jerusalem. And you probably know where I'm going as I say this, Judea, Sumeria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. If that doesn't happen, don't. I mean, America's become a nation that I just don't recognize anymore. Right. I literally don't recognize something happened. It's almost like there's a heart transplant that has taken place unbeknownst to us. And let me give you some stats and, and I'll just get you to, to, to kind of respond. But if these stats are accurate, I, I, I got this information. When, when they voted recently in our November elections, it said married men broke toward Republican 20%, 20 points. Married women broke toward Republican 14%, 14 points. Unmarried men broke toward Republican, seven points. Unmarried women broke Democrat by 37 points. Unmarried women. There's a journalist named Jason Whitlock. And he stated the following in in episode uh, number 329 of his Fearless with Jason Whitlock podcast. He said, the destruction of the nuclear family is at the root of the violence plaguing black people. Mm. He then said a couple sentences later, the destruction of families is at the root of nearly every problem plaguing America. And when I heard those statements, he started the podcast with that, those statements, it resonated with my spirit because he's a black man. He's a black journalist And 
for the most part, it's not like he doesn't speak to the world, but his his ministry, if you will, if you call it that, it's ministering to black people and getting them to see some of these things. But what he said, he was absolutely right. It's it's not just black people. It's in the Hispanic people. It's in the Caucasian families. It's in the Asian families. If there is not a stability found in the family, mm-hmm. Everything else gets lost. Everything else becomes chaotic. And and these statements resonated with my spirit as the Lord has been kind of, he's just been continually in reinforcing this idea in my mind, which is hopefully I'll be able to share on, on, uh, in January. That's been, uh, kind of postponed for a couple uh, segments now. But <clears throat> what I like to do is play you a short clip, a little more of of what uh, Jason Whitlock shared later on in his podcast. Families are meant to be led by men. Nearly 75% of black children grow up in single parent homes. The chaos created by this dysfunction shows up in academic performance, drug uses, incarceration rates, teenage pregnancy rates, and homicide rates. Corporate media promotes bogus research that argues black fathers outside the home spend more time with their kids than other fathers inside the home. It's all an obvious lie. The lies are backed by Hollywood fantasy movies and TV shows. So after having heard that for the first time, because I didn't play that for you in advance, what's your reaction to what he said? (laughs) It sounds bogus. I, I just, that's not what is the truth. What he said was not the truth? Oh, what he said is the yeah, truth. Yeah, I mean, what, the whole thing. What he said the media is portraying. Oh, I think that's right. what's stuck in my head. The mm-hmm. part that that dads that are not in the family spend more time with their family than dads that are in the family. I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> no, but the, he, he brought up an example of what we're saying the media is stating. Yeah. And I think both of us... As we watch things happening, I think we both recognize, but that's an outright lie. Yeah. Every time we hear, that's an outright lie. Yeah. That's a lie. That's They're just lying to our faces. Yeah. People on the media, lying to our faces. Politicians, lying to our faces. Bureaucrats, lying to our faces. Just lying. I mean, it, it's not even a white lie. It's outright lying. And and the part that... that mm, just gets at me the most is that there seems to be no accountability. Well, it's just why Nobody keep- gets held accountable. They'll lie here one day and one year later. Oh, no, 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 no. Not even a year later. I know, the, I know. I'm just making that up. The, the, it's this is just what I'm saying. nobody it's like, gets held accountable for my, anything. My my response to that usually, and this is where I have to be careful because I have to go back to the Lord, is mm-hmm. they're insulting our intelligence. I mean, they just literally treat people like imbeciles and the reason they keep doing it is because they're getting away with it because there are yeah. some people that are saying stuff, but their voices are being squashed and it's yes. it's making it look like the majority of the people are buying into this. And I think about intellectual people or people that call themselves smart and way up there and highfalutin in their thinking. And I'm like, you're accepting all of this yeah. information like that? Yeah, I saw I saw a post recently. I um, can't remember where it came from, but it says, you know how they say, follow the science? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it said, after that, it said, no, follow those that have been silenced. Yes. 
because those are the people that we're trying to tell everyone what the truth this is. This is, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we're talking about that and, and, and it has, for me, it has to do with getting back to families. Um, I was listening to, to another uh, podcast and there was this author named Louise Perry. I think she's in the UK. Um, and she wrote a book called The Case Against Sexual Revolution. You know, the revolution of the 60s. Mm-hmm. And she stated, among the many things that has caused her a lot of flack, a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. You could imagine. She said, monogamous marriage is by far the most stable and reliable foundation on which to build a family. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true, but she's getting a whole bunch of flack for it. Again, it's not about following the signs. Follow the people that are being silenced. And she's, you know, being silenced. You know, um, we've talked a, a lot here, and I, I want to conclude with a following clip. It has a lot of rhetorical questions that are in this clip. But as I heard this clip, it reminded me of what I've been saying to myself I may have shared it with you as I witness what I recognize as corruption in our society, corruption in our government. I always keep saying how much circumstantial evidence must be uncovered, must be exposed, Mm -hmm. uh, must be displayed before it can't be denied any longer. Mm -hmm. I know that our reality is not found in the court of law. In the court of law, you can have your circumstantial evidence, but it doesn't it doesn't prove that the person is guilty, right? I mean, we know that in the court of law, but our lives are not like that. If there's an overwhelming, a profoundly overwhelming amount of circumstantial evidence, it cannot be ignored when there's no other reasonable explanation given for what is happening right before our eyes. Perfect example. COVID, its root, and the lies concerning vaccines about it. It's just, there's so much overwhelming evidence that has been covered up, covered up, covered up that you, you can't be, uh, uh, you can't turn a blind eye to it. So I want to play this one clip. Haven't shared it with you. You're about to hear it for the first time. So I'd like your response and reaction, but I want to share it with everyone because I think it's important, especially for those of us in America, but probably for those, those people in the world. Um, cause some of the things that, that he, he questions rhetorically are not just for those questioning in our nation. They're for, I mean, there was stuff happening in Australia, crackdowns happening hard. On mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. on residents, but it, they were happening around the world, mm-hmm. and we heard, you know, glimpses of it here and there. But let me play this clip. Um, it's a bit by a, another journalist. His name is Neil Oliver, and I guess he's part of GB News. It's hard to think the unthinkable, but there comes a time when there's nothing else for it. People raised to trust the powers that be who have assumed, like I once did, that the state, regardless of its political flavour at any given moment, is essentially benevolent and well-meaning, will naturally try and keep that assumption of benevolence in mind when trying to make sense of what's going on around them. People like us, you and me, raised in the understanding that we are free, that we have inalienable rights, 
and that the institutions of this country have our best interests at heart, we'll tend to tie ourselves in knots rather than contemplate the idea those authorities might actually be working against us now. I took that thought of benevolent, well-meaning authority for granted for most of my life. God help me. Not to put too fine a point on it, I was as gullible as the next chump. A couple of years ago, however, I began to think the unthinkable. And with every passing day, it becomes more and more obvious to me that we are no longer being treated as individuals entitled to try and make the most of our lives, but as a barn full of battery hens, just another product to be bought and sold, sold down the river. Let me put it another way. If you've been driving yourself almost demented in an effort to think the best of those in charge, those in senior positions in government, those in charge of the great institutions of state, those running the big corporations, but finding it increasingly impossible to do so, then the solution to the problem might be to turn your point of view through 180 degrees and accept, however unwillingly that we are, how best to put this, being taken for a ride. When you find a stranger's hand on your wallet, in the inside pocket of your jacket, rather than trying to persuade yourself he's only making sure it doesn't fall out, it might be more straightforward to draw the conclusion you're in the process of being robbed. Once the scales fall from a person's eyes, the resultant clarity of sight is briefly overwhelming. Or it's like being handed a skeleton key that opens every locked door, or access to a Rosetta Stone that translates every word into a language instantly understood. Take the energy crisis. If you felt the blood drain from your face at the prospect of bills rising from hundreds to several thousands of pounds while reading about energy companies doubling their profits overnight, while being commanded to subsidise so-called renewables that are anything but green, while listening to this politician or that renew their vows to the ruinous fantasies of net zero and Agenda 2030, while knowing that the electricity for electric cars comes in the main and most reliably from fossil fuels, if you can't make sense of it all and just know that it adds up to a future in which you might have to choose between eating and heating, then treat yourself to the gift of understanding that the powers that be fully intend that we should have less heat and less fuel, and that in the planned future only the rich will have cars anyway. The plan is not to fix it, the plan is to break it and leave it broken. If you struggle to think the best of the world's richest, vacuous, self-obsessed A-list celebrities among them, endlessly circling the planet on private jets and super yachts so as to attend get-togethers where they might pontificate to us lowly proles about how we must give up our cars and occasional holiday flights, even meet on the dinner table. If you wonder how they have the unmitigated gall then isn't it easier simply to accept that their honestly declared and advertised intention is that their luxurious and pampered lives will continue as before while we are left hungry, cold and mostly unwashed in our unheated homes? Here's the thing. If any leader or celeb honestly meant a word of their sermons about CO2 and the rest, then they would obviously lead by example. They would be first of all of us, willingly giving up international travel altogether, they would downsize to modest homes warmed by heat pumps. They would eschew all energy but that from the sun and the wind. They would eat with relish bugs and plants. They would resort to walking, bicycles and public transport. If net zero and the rest was about the good of the planet and not about clearing the skies and the beaches of scum like us, don't you think those sainted politicians and A-listers would be lighting the way for us by their own example? If the way of life they preach at us was worth living... Wouldn't they be living it already? Perhaps you heard Bill Gates say private jets are his guilty pleasure. 
And how about food, and more particularly the predicted shortage of it? The suits and CEOs blame it all on Vladimir Putin. But if the countries of the world are truly running out of food, why is our government offering farmers hundreds of thousands of pounds to get out of the industry and sell their land to transnational corporations for use or disuse unknown? Why aren't we as a society doing what our parents and grandparents did during World War II and digging for victory? Why is the government intent on turning a third of our fertile soil over to rewilding schemes that make life better only for the beavers? Why aren't we looking across the North Sea towards the Netherlands, where a WEF-infected administration is bullying farmers off their land altogether, forcing them to cull half the national herd? Those Dutch farmers are among the most productive and knowledgeable in the world, holding in their heads and hands the answers to all manner of questions about how best to produce food. And yet their government is so intent on scaring them out of the business that a teenage boy in a tractor taking part in a protest to defend ancient rites and traditions was fired on by police. Why do you think it matters so much to the government of the second most productive population of farmers in the world to gut and fill it that industry? Why? Why have similar protests in countries all across Europe and the wider world been largely ignored by the mainstream media a media that would have crawled on its hands and knees over broken glass just to report on a BLM protester opening a bag of non-binary crisps? Why the silence on the attack on farming? And while we're on the subject of farmland ownership, why is computer salesman Bill Gates buying so much farmland in the US, more than a quarter of a million acres in 19 states at the last count, while simultaneously promoting the production and sale of fake meat? And why have so many small planes crashed into massive food processing plants in the US, sparking fires and thereby hobbling the production and distribution of yet more of the very stuff of life? Why is this happening to farmers and farming all across the hitherto developed world? Isn't the simple, obvious answer the answer that makes most sense and that is staring us in our trusting faces that power for the power-hungry has always rested most effectively upon control of food and its supply, why are the powers that be attributing this to a cost-of-living crisis when everyone with two brain cells to rub together can see it's a cost-of-lockdown crisis, the inevitable consequence of shutting down the whole country, indeed the whole world, for the best part of two years? Soaring inflation, rising interest rates, disrupted supply chains. Might they be calling it a cost-of-living crisis as part of their barefaced attempt to distract us from the fact that while ordinary individuals face a life-and-death struggle in the coming months, the corporations have celebrated their share of the greatest transfer of wealth in history. Doesn't that seem more likely? However unthinkable, might it not be more compelling to ask why our government and governments around the world have effectively stood by and held the coats of huge corporations while those money magnets pulled almost all of the world's wealth into their already creaking coffers? Are our governments more interested in enabling, in aiding and abetting the rich than in lifting so much as a finger to protect our livelihoods, our ways of life. I'm only asking. What about the money in our pockets? Why is it getting harder and harder to use good old cash, notes and coins? Why are we being nudged further and further away from spending power we can see and hold and towards a digital alternative that exists only on the hard drives of the banks that run the world? Why is that, do you think? Rather than dismiss as yet another conspiracy theory the idea of cash being ultimately replaced with transactions based on the exchange of what amount to glorified food stamps that will only be accepted if our social credit score demonstrates that we've been obedient girls or boys, 
How about taking the leap and focusing on the blatantly obvious, that if we're not free to buy whatever and whenever we please, free of the surveillance and snooping of governments and the banks that run them, then we have absolutely no freedom at all. And while we're on the subject of money and banks, why not pause to notice something else that's glaringly obvious, which is to say that the currencies of the West are teetering on the abyss and that one bank after another is revealed to those who are bothering to watch as being as close to bankruptcy as it's possible to be without actually falling over the edge. Then there's the so-called vaccines for COVID. I deliberately say so-called because by now it should be clear to all but the willfully blind that those injections do not work as advertised. You can still contract the virus, still transmit the virus, still get sick from the virus and still die of the virus. Denmark has dropped their use for under-18s. All across the world, every day, more evidence emerges, however grudgingly, however much the various complicit authorities and big pharma companies might hate to admit it, of countless deaths and injuries caused by those medical procedures. And yet here in Britain, and just about everywhere else, governments continue to try and get those needles into as many arms as possible, even the arms of the smallest and youngest. The ripe stink of corruption is everywhere. I trusted authority for most of my life. Now I ask myself on a daily basis how I ignored the stench for so long. So with that being said and shared, what I have seen happen in our nation, legislatively and governmentally over the years, it's gotten to the point where this America, spelled with a K, is not the America that I grew up in and the America that I was raised in. There's been a fundamental shift and change in our nation And trusting in men to get it fixed without being regenerated by the Spirit of God now seems vain. So I'm praying now fervently that the Lord would pour out His Spirit across this nation and the world. And as He said He would, and save those that are worthy. I've said this in our previous podcast, so I'm going to repeat it again so people will know what worthy means. In Matthew 10, 11 through 15, he said, Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you get out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So I'm praying that the latter raid would come upon us. And I'm praying that it will start with the men. I don't see how anything is going to change in our world if, number one, the Spirit of God is not poured out, and number two, Men are not leading or being led by the Spirit of God to come out because men are the ones that are leading their families. They're leading their wives. They're leading their children. And what we have seen as a fruit today didn't start yesterday. That's what I got from our podcast with the topics of young adults. It didn't happen. What we we say, oh my God, it changed overnight. No, it didn't. It has been a concentrated effort of malignant forces 
from this, let's just say the sixties to today. So from the sixties on to today, that's 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. It's taken 60 years to get where we're at today because of what was started back in the sixties. I know it could be done earlier, but because of what we talked about in our topic, there was a concentrated effort through the media, through music. We had that 60s sexual revolution. That's where it started, but it didn't really get a grab a hold of until like we talked about in the topic in the 80s. What happened there? The MTV generation and this massive proliferation of wicked ideas Mm -hmm. and behaviors and thoughts. And so we're reaping what has been sown that many years ago. And so we can't expect it to just be changed overnight. It happened over the course of successive generations. And all that while, the church has been infected with the world. Rather than the world be infected by the Spirit of God that is ruling and reigning in the houses of his children and their families. And so hopefully in 2023, you'll hear that message. But that's kind of the sprinkling of it. And so I pray that you guys will receive that and get your houses in order. That they would be led, directed, instructed, commanded by the Spirit of God for this upcoming year. Because who knows what may come. But if you're residing and abiding under the shadow of his wings, then you're fully protected. And or if you're on the right, on the foundation of the truth, which is the wise man who built his house upon the rock, the word of God, the truth. If you conduct yourselves in that manner, then it says that the rains come and the storms come, but the house stands firm. The house that is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and his revelation to us. And that is a wise man indeed. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, Leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J-B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.